morning, Marshall students, and welcome to another episode of NBA's Unplugged. I'm your host, Fedge McDermott, and let's dive into today, Tuesday, September 1st. Okay, so now that we're at the start of a new school year here at Marshall, and now that most of us are kind of getting settled into this uh, virtual class schedule for the fall, and also now that the first years are almost done with that wonderful term we call Term 1, uh, I thought it was a good time to really get rolling on this podcast again and uh, boot things back up for the fall semester after taking a brief hiatus over the summer. Uh, so before we really dive into anything here, I just wanted to give the first years a quick overview of what this podcast is, how it came to be, and what it's going to look like moving forward. So basically this podcast was an initiative that started back when I was named community chair. Uh, and as soon as I got named community chair, this whole pandemic hit. So in response to the pandemic hitting and us all uh, going virtual, uh, we identified some significant gaps in our ability to sort of network in person and really uh, had that same full-time in-person experience. Uh, and even though we had eight or so months together in person beforehand, there were still opportunities for some of our classmates to learn more about one another. So to help really mitigate this gap, uh, I started up this podcast to really focus on highlighting the different students throughout the program and to showcase where they came from, what their aspirations were, as well as integrating some fun like podcast activities and games along the way. Uh, we had a large number of episodes in which I think it was around 17 or so episodes, uh, but once the summer hit and projects started, internships started moving, uh, kind of took a brief hiatus with the intent of coming back uh, once things started back up in the fall. So, I mean, now here we are in the fall so um, in addition to sort of showcasing students though it's also a vehicle in which uh, we use of sharing information with the student body at large so uh, whether that's announcements provided by the program office uh, helping promote upcoming events from our various clubs here at Marshall uh, we want to make sure that this podcast is also used as a voice for disseminating that sort of information where uh, if you had missed it through an email you might catch it here if you happen to be listening and now that things are starting back up, in order to hit that one uh, episode per week, I'm going to need some volunteers who want to be a part of the show. So if you're interested in joining the show and being spotlighted as our weekly guest, uh, in the email that I sent with the link for this podcast, you'll find a couple other links. One of them is going to be a sign-up form, which I encourage you to fill out. And I will be contacting those that I am selecting for uh, interviews as well as uh, working through times and schedules to make sure that you're available and everything's Gucci on that end. So, uh, again, if interested, please make sure you find that link and sign up to be a guest on the show. And with that, I think that catches everyone up. So now I can go diving into the normal programming of the show, which is where I'll go through uh, any program office announcements as well as club event updates. Uh, and then finally, our uh, guest for today. Uh, fortunately, we don't have any program office announcements, so I'm just going to dive straight into the events that we have up here for the upcoming week here at Marshall, starting with... Oh my god, we actually have a lot of events coming up this week. Uh, a lot of these are just kickoffs, but still a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, so first we have the Marshall Finance Association at 5 to 6 today is doing an introduction to investment banking. Then at 6.30 to 7.30 today, there's a club kickoff for the LNO and OMC organizations. So the Leadership and Organization Club and the Operations Management Club uh, to learn more about those offerings. Tomorrow on Wednesday, September 2nd, we have the Amazon Finance Leadership Development Program Workshop. Uh, where they'll be bringing in an alumni 
uh, who's a senior financial analyst at Amazon, who will be leading a workshop for students interested in learning more about that offering. Then at that's at 2 p.m. Then as well at 2 p.m. we have the uh, MEC kickoff meeting. What the hell? Oh, the Marshall Energy Club. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so the Marshall Energy Club will be having their kickoff meeting at 2 p.m. tomorrow. Then at 2.30 p.m. tomorrow, we also have uh, the role of marketing in fighting systemic racism. So that's being put on by the Graduate Marketing Association. And I'll just read a quick blurb that it has here. And as protests and unrest have taken over the U.S. and other parts of the world, brands rush to speak out and align themselves with anti-racism. In this session, we will review brands' response to Black Lives Matter, highlighting the importance of marketing to fight against racial injustice. And this event is also being co-hosted by two other clubs where I just had it here uh, the Marshall Net Impact Club as well as the Black Graduate Business Leaders Club so uh, definitely definitely join that if you have the time available for it as from 2.30 to 3.30 tomorrow and then at 6.30 p.m. tomorrow we have the Marshall Retail Management Association kickoff meeting uh, Thursday at 12.30 we have the Graduate Real Estate Association alumni panel, so that we're bringing in some uh, alumni to discuss the careers in real estate investment. Then at 5 p.m. we have the Marshall Golf Club kickoff, followed by 5.30 p.m. we have tech recruiting for full-time positions, so I guess that's more targeted towards the 2021 class. That's being put on by the High Tech Association. And then at 6 p.m. we'll be having the Marshall Graduate Affinity Clubs kickoff, so that'll be put on by That'll pretty much be the showcase for all the affinity clubs being hosted here at Marshall. And finally, on Friday at 4 p.m., the Business Entertainment Association will be hosting a panel of second years who had to uh, pivot their plans for the summer due to COVID. So really talking about uh, how people sort of made the best out of a weird situation and how they see the space moving forward as we enter our second year here at Marshall. Uh, so that's it for the events that we have coming up this week. Again, it's a lot of them, mainly because it's a lot of kickoffs and stuff. Uh, but if you would like your event, if your event wasn't mentioned and you would like your event to be hosted or announced on this show again in the email i sent out for this podcast there is also going to be a link for you to submit upcoming events uh, with a more tailored message if you want me to sort of uh, have something specific that i mentioned during the announcement of the event uh, and that that sign up will be used to both fuel my announcements here as well as for our president asia to use in the disbursement of the marshall minute since we talk about upcoming events through that form as well so it really helps save us some time there so if, if you could fill out that form if you have an upcoming event that'd be great i'll be sending that link out repeatedly throughout the semester of course uh and that takes care of the announcements so now we'll be moving on to the guest portion of our show which typically would be someone that i've interviewed within the past week but for the sake of this week and the fact that I actually have a few on reserve from uh, that never got to air, I'll be starting off with uh, one of my good friends, uh, one of my first friends at Marshall, actually, from Emmett Weekend, uh, Kit Fong, who is looking to get into or looking to break into the gaming industry. So I will preface that this interview was probably one of the first interviews I did before I had this like fancy microphone. So my audio is going to be garbage. And I tried to clean it up where I could, but it's not perfect. Not at all perfect. Uh, but Kit sounds lovely, as always. Um, but just be keep in mind that, yeah, it's a very early, very early release. So uh, the audio gets significantly better as we kind of move our way forward in these uh, 
in these recordings here. But uh, anyway, I'll now just switch over to our ho our guest for today, Kit Fong. And now onto the guest portion of today's show. I am now joined by a local SoCal native who is going to be heading straight into the gaming industry and also one of the first people I met actually during our admin weekend, uh, Kit Fong. How are you doing today, Kit? That's McDermott. I am doing really well. Uh, just really quick, I just want to let you guys know, thank you so much for having me. I met Fedge over an admin weekend, so practically like the first official event of the school. Uh, we met at this uh, local bar that we go to. It's called The Lab. Uh, hopefully you guys will kind of get a chance to see that too. Uh, um, let me jump right in here. I so Fedge said that I am from SoCal, but originally, originally, I am from Vietnam. I was born there and until I was 10, I, my family, I immigrated to California. And coming from Vietnam, like the population was homogeneous. Like I've never met a Hispanic person before. And then I moved to an area where I was one of two Asians at the middle school. Never had a bean and cheese burrito, but then now I love bean and cheese burrito. And you know, that, that's, that's a kind of nice way to parlay into how Marshall is representative of this massively diverse environment of SoCal. Yeah. Hey, Kit, so wasn't it you who were mentioning that um, you were the only one in your class and then another student sort of joined at some point and you thought like, oh, we're going to be best friends for life? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We banded together because we're, we're one of two. I honestly didn't really like the guy either, but we just walked home together for protection. No, I'm just kidding. But it was, it was really different for me to kind of adjust to that kind of environment. And, but since then, I've kind of grown up in this super diverse environment. I wanted to look for something similar when it came to my MBA program. But before we dive into that, I want to share a bit more about my background. So I went to a local state school called California State University of Fullerton. And at Fullerton, I majored in business economics. And from there, I went to the financial services industry at a small wealth management firm. That was kind of where I learned the power of like you know, personal finance and how you really need to manage that. Uh, you know, being a, the oldest son of an immigrant family, the only English speaker, I was in charge of our whole family's finance. So at 13 years old, I had to learn about like, credit card bills, interest, payments, and you know, you could just call the credit card companies and just, I pretended to be my father so I could get our late fees waived. So it was, that's a whole different story, but oh, wow. that kind of breed, yeah, that kind of breed into that. How did you end up in that sort of job at like 13? Cause I don't even think I was even working or doing anything at that point in my life. Oh, no, I, I didn't get that job at 13, but I've had the experience since 13. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, try to explain what is the deductible versus a max out of pocket to my mom in Cantonese. It's like it was, it was it was a wild experience, especially when I was just thirteen. Uh, and then since since then, since like you know, um, working in the financial services space, I moved over to a lot of myriad of startups. Like one startup of my own, and then I linked up with a buddy of mine who was building a real estate SaaS company. I was working there on the sales team uh, for a good six months. And a buddy of mine was telling me about this fund that he was starting, a uh, crypto fund. This is 2017. And 
he brought me on. Um, lo and behold, I actually joined one of the top uh, VC firms in California. I didn't know this at the time, at the time but at this VC firm, I got to experience like so many things in the blockchain space. And from, from that kind of experience, I got to learn to really be bold and just reach out to people across the board with no fear of rejection. Because then in, in that time during the blockchain space, all you had to do was just reach out to people and talk to them because everyone was learning together. So we're trying to make something of this whole new high tech, high finance work. Everyone was super friendly. And from that, I just learned to like, you know what? Forget it. Just reach out, say hi, put yourself out there. And I kind of took that mentality with me into Marshall. That was like super beneficial, especially since I'm trying to transition into a more gaming space focused role. I guess so real quick going back the blockchain, I know that in my time at Deloitte, there was a lot of discussion around blockchain and I think in like 2017, I think that's when I was actually sort of a thing um, or at least a big buzzword. Uh, but the other thing I know about blockchain is that um, it was like a big buzzword at Deloitte for just sort of like implementing leading technology. And so honestly, I don't really know much about it. So if there's any way that you can sort of put that in layman terms or like give us like an explain like I'm five sort of way of, of how you would sort of um, describe what blockchain really is. Perfect. We'll we'll uh, change this podcast into like a, a quick five part series. So I'm just kidding. So for the the way you think of blockchain is simply the market the decentralization and democratization of power back to the individual user. So now let's say on Facebook, right? I know not a lot of us still use Facebook. Let's let's use Instagram for example. All the pictures and stories and everything you posted essentially belongs to Instagram. Right? You can't pour any of all your data and all your memories onto a different network even if you wanted to. But in a decentralized blockchain world, you will be able to do that. So the power of blockchain is that you own everything you put out into the network. So let's say right now you create like a FedGraph. I could easily take all of my content and just post it onto FedGraph because I love the way FedGraph's user interface is like. And I will still have all my friends, I'll still have all my photos, all my stories, and all my memories. And that is the key, like the strongest value proposition of blockchain. Uh, obviously, there are limitations to it too, such as like uh, computation power and the processing of server times and such is, is much, much slower than your usual like siloed off servers in some random database Facebook has. So that's kind of the trade-off you have. Like, for example, I would make a comment on Fedge's photos that would take like maybe 10 minutes to show would be like the drawback oh, wow. of like, using blockchain over a siloed server. Because you it's own so everything. decentralized. So exactly. it would for it to sort of refresh on everyone's feed. Exactly, exactly. Gotcha. But you own everything. So that's like the, the big piece. Well, yeah, in this day and age, apparently data ownership is just such a huge uh, problem or ongoing debate so yeah absolutely and, and that's why i feel like for gaming that's super interesting because let's say i spent like over ten thousand hours on world of warcraft right and i've collected so many items i have all my friends there i've spent so much money and time but it's all still owned by blizzard mm-hmm. what if there is like a instead of a wow there's a meow where all the characters <laughs> are now cats 
right? And I have a cat holding my battle axe and riding on a, a bigger cat. Like, let's say I wanted to do something like that. I, on a blockchain, I will be able to just port all my items and everything over onto this whole new game without losing anything. That is the beauty of blockchain and the interesting for gaming for me as well. Is uh, Meow something that you've sort of like put already thought a lot of thought behind? Because it sounded like you had it really ready to go. I always use that example with a with a wow and a meow because it's just so <laughs> it's so good. Well, hopefully no one steals that idea from this podcast. So, <laughs> oh yeah, it's totally trademarked already. So go ahead and try. So your idea is almost like making a gaming environment where uh, the things that you purchase within the game uh, are actually owned by you physically that you can then take to other games. So such as skins or. Uh, weapons or anything like that yeah exactly so, so that's the big vision of where i see the gaming space heading into but for me like i am not building a startup in that space because that doesn't really highlight my talent and skill set like i'm not an engineer i said like i my background's in business economics so i don't feel like that would be a place where i could best apply myself but i could see the whole gaming space entering into that realm so where do you see yourself fitting in the gaming community, both in terms of uh, this long goal that you've just described, where blockchain sort of helps everyone have more ownership over their data and their purchases, and then where your skills can come in to best sort of shape the future of gaming towards this sort of vision that you've had set up for yourself? So for me, like I'm, I'm a good writer, and I love like media companies. And when I first got into the gaming space at Marshall, although they gave me a bunch of uh, resources and content for me to camp myself into the gaming space, so just learning all the jargon, uh, identifying all the key players, knowing what the normal workflow and business uh, kind of org chart looks like. But I thought about it, I'm like, hey, but what if someone who didn't have this NBA experience or access to all this resources, like, those guys are, you know, for lack of a better word, like they're kind of shit out of luck and they have to look through the internet and scour like Reddit forums and trying to learn what is the recruitment cycle for Xbox? What does the re recruiter look for at Xbox that is different from PlayStation? Like, I know all that just because I can reach out to the career center and know it instantly, but other people can't. So I wanted to build a new kind of media company that helps people break into the gaming space. And I think there is a huge opportunity in the... Uh, profession in the gaming space so that's why I kind of wanted to build this new media company that helps people get boot camp into the gaming sector so this would almost be like an, an incubator for uh, programmers and developers or like just sort of talent in general for the video game industry exactly exactly so you know those uh, websites like management consulted or mergers and inquisition Wall Street Oasis like I'm kind of mm -hmm. building that hub for gaming folks or folks who try to break into gaming because for, for me like as a kid like my <laughs> my parents were like you cannot play games you need to focus on your future gaming is no future well guess what now gaming is the future and i can do both so hell yeah oh, i'm gonna man. do both so that's <laughs> that's that's my, my kind of big motivation behind going back to school and getting my mba specifically at marshall because marshall is one of the top 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 tier gaming programs and it has industry recognition. They pump out all the top executives, like Zynga, a founder of Zynga is a uh, SCLM. Mm -hmm. um, so like, they, we just have such strong industry ties that going to Marshall was kind of a no brainer for me, especially since I wanted to stay in LA as well. So that is also the physical geographical hub of the gaming space. 
Yeah, I was going to say, just being in L.A. alone, you're already, like, so close to everything around here with just the massive gaming uh, companies with Sony on one end and uh, Blizzard and uh, a couple others that I'm probably forgetting about right now. But <laughs> but uh, isn't it true that USC also has a way for you to sort of, like, uh, work or work or, as an MBA student, partner with uh, gaming students and engineers and art students to sort of develop almost like your own game? Yeah, you are talking about the AGP program. That stands for the Ad Advanced Game Pipe Lab. And you essentially team up with a group of not only engineers, but you work with some masters in fine arts. Because gaming is like mm -hmm. the intersection of art, engineering, and business. You know, you, you got to have something pretty to look at. But you need an engineer to, to turn that beautiful landscape into reality. But you also need to find a way to pay both of these guys who works or and gals who work so hard to build this out. So it is the perfect confluences of all three uh, areas. And this program is super cool. It's a year long program where you work as Fetch says, as a product manager, you get hands-on experience. And at the end in the spring semester, they had this thing called the game expo, the USC game expo, where publishers such as Activision Blizzard, Zynga, Nintendo even sometimes, they come out and they would either do an aqua hire, meaning they buy your game and also buys your team, or it's just a great place for you to showcase like a portfolio. Like, hey, even though I'm a student, I worked on this game for a full year and we have a vertical slice. For your, a vertical slice is like a small instant of the game that kind of showcases what the game will be like, what the gameplay is going to be like, and the narrative behind it. So it's a great thing to put on you to your portfolio, it, even as a student. And I did this in my first year. So I accumulated experience in the gaming sector right when I started. Yeah, which is pretty helpful because yeah, when you're coming into an MBA, especially full-time, you're most likely pivoting industries. So the first thing you want to do is uh, begin to get experience in those industries. So uh, having access to that sort of coursework to actually like, develop something in terms of a game is super beneficial to throwing on your resume, especially when it comes time to actually recruiting full-time for offers after our after we graduate yeah absolutely and another piece i want to put in there is even if you don't like it you discover that hey pm is not for you you could just be like at least you found that out in the first three months rather than waiting a full year until like the summertime when you're recruiting or the springtime when you're recruiting you're like oh wait actually i don't like pm <laughs> so it kind of saved me a whole nine months oh no yeah trust me like i i know what it means to have the experience and then realize that it's quite not the best fit for you or not exactly what you had imagined. So, all right, let's see. Um, now that we've sort of uh, dove into you a little bit and before we transition over to uh, the more MBA specific questions that I have for you, um, I'm now going to bring you up to the trivia round for today's episode. Just, just so, so you listeners know, he did not give us free like uh peek at these questions so these are gonna be hard balls just so you know uh, well yeah they're definitely not gonna be easy so <laughs> so yeah just like how i've been going off people sort of like something that's relevant to them we're definitely gonna go with video games for you so i've been pulling up a couple of video games questions that i have for you here okay i'm pulling wikipedia up go ahead <laughs> first one being nintendo began as a company selling which products um I would say Nintendo's 
is it like some kind of um, a card game or something like that? Um, I think they started as like either card games or figurines or, 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 or something physical rather than the whole gaming as what we know now. Uh, yeah, you're pretty much on the money there, I guess. It was, it was playing cards. Ah, okay. So they were found in 1899. Nintendo originally traded uh, playing cards called um, Hanafuda, which I guess was a playing card game common mm. in Japan. Okay. Um, don't know how I pronounce that, but <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're good with that one. So uh, Number two, what was the name of the virtual pandemic that shook the world of Warcraft in 2005? The what? So I, I guess it's it sounds like there is some sort of like virus or something with like World of Warcraft servers, but they classified it as like a virtual pandemic that happened in two thousand five, I guess. Uh, can I can I call a friend or <laughs> I don't know this one. This one is a pass. Um It says the corrupted blood incident, I guess. Oh my god, okay, I just Wikipedia that. So it was intentionally introduced into the World of Warcraft as a by programmers. Uh supposed to be like a supervillain, I guess. And I guess it soon got out of control and spread and could only be eradicated by completely resetting all the servers. So I guess it was sort of like a, almost an unintentional plague that almost just broke the entire WoW game. Dude, that's all I love to see a case study on that and a ter- that- which which is a, a sidebar real quick. At Marshall, you would learn how to do a case study and a teardown on a, on something like this. So, and it would be great for you to again add to your portfolio and show other gaming folks that hey, you're serious about the gaming space. This is what you're studying. It's, it's a great way to kind of sh- give that exposure and signaling to the recruiters. And we got two more questions for you before we finish up the trivia. So, uh, number three is going to be how f- how familiar are you with Star Fox? Star Fox. Okay, hit me. What about Star Fox? What is the name of the star system in which the Star Fox universe takes place? Fuck, <sighs> <laughs> man. Um... Is it like... It starts with an L. I know that. Um... You're on the right track, actually. Is it Leon or... Um... Uh, Liger or something with an L, something with an L, man, something with an L. And it's like Lilet, L Ly- L Ly- ah, something, Lilet. Does that ring a bell? Dude, yeah, it does. Like that thing is like mentioned. Like okay, <laughs> that becomes an afterthought. That becomes an afterthought after you watch the narrative. Okay, yeah, these questions are hard. Okay, and the last one, which um. <laughs> this, is, this is gonna be a hard one too for you. The Pac-Man ghosts are named Blinky, Inky, Pinky, and what is the name of the fourth ghost of Pac-Man? I'll give you a hint. It's the orange ghost, but I'm not sure if that helps with the name or all, at all or anything. <laughs> um, okay, you said it was Blinky, Pinky, and Inky, right? Yep. Um, you literally learned this in our um, video game entrepreneurship class. Did you actually? Yeah, we did. This was actually part of the history of video games. So it's part of the video game entrepreneurship class. And he he said he put this question on the midterm for his undergraduates. (laughs) Um, Is it? Is it? 
I don't know. I don't know. Is it Lloyd? Mm, it's Clyde. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, you you would have screwed up that midterm if you were an undergrad right now. Dude, I I, I would have gotten killed on that midterm because I. But yeah, anyways, that is the kind of thing that you can look forward to when you come to Marshall. Learning about the fourth orange ghost in the Pac-Man. Uh, those people. Yeah, so I think he got like one and a half of those questions right, I think. I mean, I don't think Deepak got any of them right when I think about it. Um, yeah, he must have gotten like zero. No, maybe like one. Well, as long as I beat Deepak, it's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, so have about 10 or so minutes left here. So we'll just dive into some more of the Marshall-specific questions for you. So um First one being, what drove you to Marshall over other business schools? So I know you've already touched on it in terms of like wanting to go to the video game industry, but I guess just elaborate a little bit more on your decision process. Yeah, totally. So the reason why I chose Marshall over any of the business schools programs because number one is its location. I know I wanted to stay on the West Coast, specifically in Los Angeles after graduation, and I wanted to have this network of mine kind of stays with me. It, and I looked in like a statistic when I was kind of researching the schools, like up to like 88% of all of Marshall alums stays on the West Coast. And on the East Coast, only about like 10% of them comes over to the West Coast. So I'm like, okay, do I pick a school that I lose out on 90% of my uh, alumni contacts right upon graduation? Or do I go to a school where I keep 90% of my alumni network? It was kind of a no-brainer in, in that regard. And then second piece is kind of what I've been handing on this whole podcast is SC has one of the top gaming programs. And it has industry ties, industry recognition across the board. And specifically, there's this one professor that I knew that teaches at USC. And he is a very prominent figure in the gaming space as well. So I was like, if I want to break into this industry, this is the school to go into. And that made Marshall like a no-brainer choice for me. So, given that you want to stay on the West Coast, were there other West Coast schools that you sort of looked into that might have also been strong in the gaming space? Uh, strong in the gaming space? No. Um, obviously, like Berkeley and Stanford, they're more on the tech side of things. So I guess you can make the argument that gaming is tech and that those either of those schools will be great. Um, I believe I, at UCLA, they don't even have a gaming-specific club yet. That is, you know, I think that is so behind the times. Uh, at Marshall, we have a specific gaming club, which is also a huge draw for me to choose Marshall over any of the other West Coast schools. Well, yeah, with your with your want to stay on the West Coast, that kind of makes sense because I know, for like, from my undergrad when I went to Virginia Tech, a lot of the kids that actually went to Virginia Tech ended up going to work in Washington D.C. afterwards, since that was sort of like the nearby closest city. So, I get that it's something to keep on the front of your mind when you're actually looking at these schools and sort of trying to plan where do you want to end up after you graduate, since most of the job opportunities are going to be stuff that's sort of close by in the city that you're actually going to school in. Yeah, 100%, man, because the MBA is like only a two-year program. But what you're really going for the MBA is that network, and you want to be able to tap into that network for the next, like, 200 years. And so that's that's why. <laughs> yeah, both very good points. Yes, okay. So on to the next one. Uh, so you mentioned that you were 
born and raised for a little bit in Vietnam before coming over here to live in SoCal. So, um, so as someone who came from an international background and is now sort of like rooted in sort of like the U S culture, um, you have this sort of outside view on how the international students are going to be interacting so far. So, uh, how do you think Marshall has done and the Marshall community has done at, uh, sort of providing an inclusive environment and making the international students feel like they've been like a part of the, uh, the overall Marshall class. Cool. Uh, I think when in our class, we had a 33% international, uh, demographic, which was a huge draw for me as well. Cause I know like sometimes gaming is a global and a international phenomenon, specifically in South Korea, Japan, and China. And I feel like, okay, I need to have friends in those countries as well. If I ever plan on, you know, doing something in gaming. So thank goodness I do have friends in those countries. Uh, I, I think Yuki, uh, someone that you, you guys are going to meet is a great friend of mine from Japan. Um, and Yuki held this, this party called the, uh, I don't know if this is culture to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's the edited post. It's the International Alcoholic Party. where uh, International every... Alcoholic Party. <laughs> yes, yes. It was so fun. I don't even remember the name. And <laughs> so every like, international student brought their country's alcohol to this party. So we had like, uh, you know, obviously the Irish whiskeys, we had like some kind of Taiwanese rum, and then we had that China's baijiu, we had the Japanese sake, Korean soju, like it was just intense, it was intense, and everybody, I felt like they had to flex, so they brought their countries the strongest alcohol, and <laughs> it was like, just, just so you know, like the lightest thing there was Jameson, that was the lowest alcohol proof. And it was are you, just a are great you just night. trying to talk smack right now? What is this? No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm <laughs> just saying what I'm just saying what was real. Like I, I clung on to that Jameson bottle as if it was like the nectar of the gods, because nothing else was safe. Um, you know. The, and additionally, we also had this uh, school program sponsored event called the International Mixer, where each student represented their country and brought their country's this, uh, favorite dish and just kind of served it. I think. <laughs> How many booths do we have? I just think it's like around like 20, 20 or 30. There's a, there's a lot of booths. And I think each country that signed up had a certain uh, budget that they could use to spend on actual food that they'd be reimbursed for to like offset the cost yep. somewhat. Yep, yep. I was part of that. And um, the budget was pretty high for us to get like all kinds of food from Vietnam. And that was the one I represented. And because we were in Vietnam with the letter B, we were literally at the end of the booth. So it's kind of cool. Like I kind of had to pass by us first, and like you get literal a literal taste of each international um, students' culture, and they talk to you about like how you eat this kind of food there, when you eat this kind of food, the occasion around it. So I felt very cultured just simply by going to that event. And additionally, all these international students they came to school a global MBA program so that they can have these global contacts. So they're more than open to chatting with you and to kind of share their culture and also learn about ours. So that so that's also a great aspect of uh, the whole international mix at Marshall. Yeah, I got I got admit, it wasn't sort of, I guess, the main draw for me just because of my own sort of career reasons, but it definitely is something that like I've really come to actually appreciate about the whole program being so diverse uh, that uh, not 
not only am I going to have contacts in the LA area, but now I feel like I'll be able to talk to people like around the world and already know or have a friend or have someone that I can talk to, which is sort of like uh, give me advice or best practices if I ever end up in sort of a global position. Dude, 100%. So here's the way I judge it. I was like, if I were stranded in Mumbai, do I have anyone to call? The answer is I have three people to call. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it was, it was a really big piece for me to come to a, a really global MBA program. Oh, for sure. Okay, and so for the last question, um, even though we haven't really been at Marshall for a full year yet, um, what have you found um, about either the classes or anything outside of class to be uh, impactful to you in sort of your search for uh, entering the gaming industry after you graduate? Oh, okay. So two things I want to highlight uh, since we're uh, short on time. The first is the clubs. So MEGA, which stands for the Marshall Interactive Gaming Association, was a tremendous asset for me to break into the gaming space. We have like, you know, how to do teardowns and case studies, learn the jargon, case interview prep. We brought industry practitioners into, you know, panels and for you to ask like point blank questions with like, how much does a PM get paid at Zynga versus at Facebook? Like, you know, and, and you can ask these kind of questions because they are, well, probably not directly in the forum, but you can always connect with them offline. And all these are alums who love SC, so they're willing to give back and give these talks and be completely honest with you about it, too. So that's, that's the first piece, immediate impact. The second piece is uh, I had to wait until the spring semester for you to take elective classes. And the first elective class I took was called Video Game Entrepreneurship. And this course was taught by that professor I was telling you guys about earlier. His name is Anthony Borquez. And Anthony is super connected in the industry. Like uh, last week, he brought in one of the heads of Infinity Ward, which is the uh, co-creator of Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So we, we just got to have a 45 minutes an hour chat with the head of a game that I spend more hours than I care to admit on. And I got to ask him like anything from the gameplay to the business logic behind it, going from a premium game to a free-to-play game. It was, it was awesome. And in that class though, because it's an entrepreneurship class, you have to bring a idea or a concept into fruition. So each of the deliverables for the class is, uh, first one was like, okay, write a blog post announcing your startup. Then build a pitch deck. And this is the second deliverable, build a pitch deck for your startup. And I just wrapped up my midterm project, which is like build out a full blown, like uh, executive summary with a SWOT analysis, industry trend analysis, all the way down to narrative and game design. So it gives you like hands-on practical experience that I can show anyone in the gaming space that I'm really serious about this. And mm -hmm. it, it is a deliverable for the outside world to see, not just some, you know, book report that I'm submitting, Yeah, which is awesome. But that, that's also something that you can use as like a template, right? For when you actually go out and do this in the real world. So now you already have all the steps outlined for you as well as uh, previous work that you've done to sort of use as a basic structure to help sort of like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yesterday, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, uh, he, we had the head of gaming partnership at Twitter come in, like head of partnership at Twitter for the gaming space. And the professor let me pitch my idea to this guy in the middle of our Zoom call. So even though of all this Corona bullshit, like I'm still, he's still connecting us with like industry folks, 
and allowing us the forum and the soapbox, so to speak, to talk about our project and our passion and our ideas and get like immediate feedback. Like, that's awesome. Like, I don't think I can do that anywhere else. I didn't even know that could even happen through these like Zoom classes. That's impressive, actually. Yeah, super. Okay, well, I think that, that about wraps up the time that we had to chat. Um, before we go, you obviously have a, uh, a 30 to one minute sort of promo to sort of promote whatever you want, whether it's related or personal. It's, it's your time to yammer on about whatever you want. Totally. Um, so let me think. So my startup is called uh, The Core Loop, and it is, like I was talking with Fetch earlier in this meeting, it is a new kind of media company. And I'm currently looking for journalists or writers who are passionate about the gaming space and is willing to really dive deep. I don't want any surface level. I really want to know, like, why did Call of Duty decide to go free to play while they have, like, this premium title already? And I'm referring to the new Warzone kind of battle royale that everyone's yelling nowadays. And the uh, second thing I, I want to say is uh, an advice that I found really helpful for me was treat your professors not as like, you know, these teachers, but treat them as uh, industry contacts and colleagues that you could just ping and ask for advice and ask for like intros to things. And by taking that approach, like I've gone like my network had multiplied exponentially since I started school just by talking to them as a peer in, in the industry or someone, an expert in the industry that's accessible to me. With that kind of approach, I did, like they were super open to it too. So that's the one thing I, I would leave the listeners with is take all the opportunities that Marshall gives you, especially when it comes to the faculties. Because these guys are, you know, especially adjunct faculties who are in and out of the industry all the time. That, that last part, I think I could actually take that some very good advice too, because that's something I definitely need to be better at. So, um, well, thank, thank you for joining, Kit. It was lovely again to talk to you before our 11 a.m. class coming up in a few minutes. Uh, that's right. That's right. Fez and I are part of the same prime project class and also oh, obviously yeah. the same country because of that so we're super we're pumped about country, it but i guess we're still <laughs> same country. it's not really anymore with um, digitally we are there yeah right um so did you have a choice of song that you want to be played out for you tonight um i think i i'm gonna go with uh all i do is win 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 no matter what oh god so i gonna play that song for you guys as i tune out here uh, thanks so much so for having me, Fedge. Playing in the actual recording. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it does uh, at the end right here. But thanks, guys. And uh, Fedge, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Oh, feel free to reach out to me directly. Fedge will give you guys my email. So go ahead yes, and your there. email will be posted in the actual podcast description. So um, good, good point in bringing that up. Yeah, if you have any questions for Kid about gaming or anything else with martial life, feel free to uh, send them an email. Uh, just obviously say the subject wire that you can hear because of the podcast, and he will be more than happy to answer any questions that you have. Um, that's all we have for today, folks. So with that, I will now play you out with DJ Khaled. All I do is win. I hate you, Kit. I'll see you in class. <laughs> it's okay. Bye, buddy. All right. Bye, bud.
Stay there. 